because you study and you study, you know, you got eight or nine type pages and you can't preach that or you can't teach that in 45, 50 minutes. It takes time. But uh, one of the most disputed doctrines taught in the Bible is that of eternal security. The question many have is, if one is saved, can that salvation be lost? And the Bible clearly teaches that once we are truly saved, we will always be saved. But there are many people today, and I don't know who they are, I don't have that ability, that believe they're saved that are not. Because their lifestyle has not changed, their attitude has not changed, nothing has taken place. We don't expect God to save a sinner on Friday and Saturday they be a mature Christian. No doubt in my mind, I did a lot of things that was wrong after I was saved because I didn't know no better. When God saves you, you automatically don't get all the knowledge and wisdom and understanding. That comes through growth. So naturally... You ought to expect more if you've got a friend that's been saved 20 years than you do one that was just saved a year. It's called maturity. You don't expect a child to be as wise as a mother or the father. In case, some cases they are, but that is not the way it should be. After we're saved, we still sin. So I haven't sinned since I was, was saved. You just sin now. Because we commit sins sometimes that we don't know that are sins. Because we're not mature enough. And maturity don't come with age. You, only thing that age will give you, you'll do some things that are wrong, that are against God, but it's all right in the eyes of our government or the eyes of, of the people. So uh, to uh, uh, say, well, since I'm saved and I cannot lose it, I'll do anything that I want. It's a ridiculous, unbiblical. When people get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells inside and they will be most miserable. Nobody have to ask, tell me that I'm wrong. When I'm wrong and I Pretty well know I'm wrong, but I've already made that stand. I don't want to change it. I'm miserable. If you tell somebody and you find out later that you were wrong, what do you owe that person? You owe that person to go to them and say, I'm sorry. I didn't intentionally misguide you, mislead you. But when I told you this, I felt that it was right. We can say, well, you know, no, there are individuals that when they say something to us, we don't doubt that it's not true. But uh, there are fathers and mothers, preachers, Sunday school teachers, deacons that are leading our people to do something that 
if they got any knowledge or understanding of the Bible, they know that it's wrong. But, see, it's hard to admit you're wrong, especially if it's in public. If you're a Sunday school teacher or you're a preacher or, you know, somewhere where you're supposed to be a leader, well, the only way to do that is to admit leaders mess up too. Leaders make mistakes. But when you find out, you make it right. That's, that's what God wants. That's how it's done. T- turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans, the first chapter. Let's begin with verse 21. Romans 1, 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts was darkened. Read that verse. That's why that we have trouble. And it said, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. How do we glorify God? One of the beautiful ways is a song that we sing sometimes, just as I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. Now in verse 22, he said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up. You know the worst thing that can happen to a person is for God to give them up? But yet, you'll hear people say, I've heard preachers on TV say, God will never give up on you. Give up on you is not the same as what he is when he gave them up to uncleanness. He made them feel they need to be in a church. He made them feel that they need to read the Bible and study the Bible. And the Spirit of God evidently taught them, but they got tired of that for whatever reason. So God said, if you want to do it, I'm going to let you feel good about it. That's exactly what he's saying. He said, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. God didn't turn them over to be fools. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. I don't think I'm the only one. I know I'm not the only one. My former pastor believed this, so I know that I'm not on this planet by myself. When you got an image hung in many homes, in many churches, were that long-haired, feminine-looking person, and they want to say that's a picture of Jesus, it is not. 
Jesus would not say that hair is a shame on a man and then have hair down to his neck or wherever, back wherever hair was. And they'll just, just love that picture. It's not him. But God said, I'm going to let you change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible men and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. God went on to say in verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. What is that talking about? What did our government say? Okay. Fulfilling the scripture. And yet, well, I know, I know, I know. We all know. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Because of what we read here from verse 21 down to verse 25. Look at verse 26. For this cause, what cause? From 21 down to we yet. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman and burning their own lust one toward another, men with men, working that which unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met. Not anything new. God put it, and when you read something like this, try to keep a note in your brain that if, if man had wrote everything that God said, the world wouldn't hold the books. So when you get that in your mind, every little scripture is so important. You know, I can't imagine enough books to fill this complete world. It's the only thing I do know that when I've got the old Bible, the Word of God, that what's every verse in that is important. And there are no surprises to the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. You ever try to talk to somebody that don't want to talk about God? I don't discuss religion. You don't discuss religion because you don't know enough to retain. You don't know your own condition. I know I was in that condition. I didn't want no church when my family was one at a time. I said, you know, Brother DeRoz is picking them off, brainwashing them. But see, but when God got a hold of me, I seen how foolish I was. 28 said, 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It's not natural. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fortification, wickedness, covetousness, well, listen, it's full of envy, murder, debate, deceit. You know, God, see, if God was to leave me, I could do any of these things. That's why it's so important that when God saves you and you realize what you are in him, because even though I'm saved and y'all saved, the flesh is weak. And even if you wouldn't do it, you think about it. You meditate on it. Say, I'm a bad person. The flesh is your enemy. The flesh is your enemy. God said, as we about through with this passage, said, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Without natural affection. You know what that is? It is normal, it is natural for a child to love their parents. That's what's natural. I mean, a parent will give the baby food before that parent will eat it. Mom would always make sure we had an old house that didn't have storm windows. You know, it was, you to tell when the wind's blowing, you to feel it. And she would be sure us kids was covered up before she was. That if there wasn't very much food in the house, we ate first. That's natural. But what do they do now? They throw the babies in the dumpster. They throw them on the side. When there's thousands of people waiting to adopt. Dora and I waited eight or nine years. These little babies just thrown out like they were nothing. Because after they refused to hear God, refused to hear anything that the Bible says, God turned them over. And if God was to turn either one of us over tonight, you wouldn't recognize yourself. Stop and think so a moment. Don't keep that thought long. How many people you know that used to be normal, Sane individual. It says in a short period of time, you don't know them. That's what happens when we throw God out of our life. So here are a few principles the Bible teaches about the eternal security of one's salvation. Save because it was given and not earned. I didn't earn my salvation. God gave it to me. 
No one did anything to get salvation other than accept Christ's finished work on the cross for his salvation. And that means that the only way that I could lose my salvation is that if God could take it back. But you can't find a place in the scripture where God ever unsaved a person that was saved. First John chapter 5. I mean, if we could take this message and, and learn something from it and apply it to our life in 2023, what would be a way to start out? First John chapter 5 and verse 11. First John 5, 11. God said, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. See, I don't have eternal life in this body. This body is going to be burned up or changed. It's, it's not going to heaven. Next time I see my wife, she won't be in that broken down sick body. She will have a body like unto Jesus Christ. No more cancer, no more headaches, no more nothing. That body was her enemy. This body is my enemy. Have you ever got, maybe even today, I want to, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing what I need to do, what I want to do, because the body has broken down. And what we need to understand, even though the sins I committed before I was saved, and the sins I've committed since I was saved, they will not cause me to lose my salvation, but they affect my life here and now. God said very clearly, we all know John 3.16, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So people read this. It's just like I told you, Brother Vance, God died for everybody. John 3.16 proves that. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not. If you read it properly, God said, what? He said, for God so loved the world. What world? Is in this world, this earth under a curse? Then we've got to put out stuff to keep mice and snakes and everything else we don't like out of our house, away from us? This earth has got a curse on it. But during that thousand-year reign, we will be with Christ, and this earth will be rejuvenated the way it was. Don't have no 
fertilizer. They don't spray for bugs. These are all because of the curse. You know, every time the Callie sees a spider, she ought to have said, Eve, you caused that. I mean, that's the way it is. We've got to understand that why we have so much problems and why this world, you know, I was watching the news channel today and the leader of Russia set up in bowl out of, we will drop an atomic bomb on the United States. But be a good chair. We got a leader that won't let that happen. I think that he will. I don't know. I don't know. Only thing I know that when things get real rough, God's going to take me out of here. That's all I know. And as long as I believe that in my heart, and not just a fantasy, but believe it in the heart, because God said, I have not appointed wrath to my children. You only got to say it once. Saved by belief. If you do not believe that Jesus really paid the price of all of our sins anymore, then you did not believe it in the first place. God never changes your belief if you believe right. If you don't believe right, it makes no difference what you believe. It makes no difference at all. But if you believe that God created this earth out of nothing, and if you're saved, he wrote your name in the book of life before he created the world, you're talking about having security, eternal security to a blood-bought believer. My name was on the books before he created the world, and when he created, if you'll read the first three chapters of Genesis, he said, is good. And nobody raised the voice. You know why? Sure you do. Well, nobody there. See, either God is God of all or he's not God at all. Either God controls my life, I cannot give my life to him on Sunday and live to self the other six days. It won't work. You're fooling yourself, not fooling nobody else. We need to follow the scriptures and see what the scriptures say. But turn with me to Romans chapter 5. I mean, what a beautiful book and a beautiful chapter here in Romans 5, verse 14. Romans chapter 5 and verse 14. Paul said, Nevertheless, death reigneth from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam transgressed, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense one of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gifts of Christ 
which is by one man, Jesus Christ, have abounded unto many. I want to teach you something from this verse. You may have already seen it, and that's good. There's going to be more saved people than there are lost. That's hard to believe, ain't it? What do you say? But not as the offense, verse 15, so often it's free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. See, many be dead because of what Satan did, what Adam did and Eve did. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. Even more. You know, how many babies have been murdered? Every one of those babies, I believe, is 33 and a third years old in glory. I mean, you know, if a, a good Christian ought to vote for a man that's got the morals of the Bible and not whether there's a big R or a big D. That's just my opinion. You don't have to listen to it. Saved by belief. If you do not believe that Jesus really paid the price for your sins anymore, then you did not believe that in the first place. Have you ever talked to people and say, I used to believe that? You did? See, I don't believe that. You might. See, there's there's difference between believing in the head and believing in the heart. I loved several girls in my head, but only one that I spent 55 years with. I was fortunate because, as I told Dora many, many times, no other woman would ever tolerate me 55 years, not a one. And I believe that that's the way that we ought to think about our spouse. That's the way we ought to think about our Lord and Savior. We ought to think that about our church. Because God is not going to give anything to you that will bring you harm. We did that ourselves. Because God is holy. He's perfect. So it's We're saved by belief. If you do not believe that Jesus really paid the price for your sins any more than you didn't believe it to begin with. And maybe it was an emotion. Maybe you thought that would make things better, turn out better, whatever. I don't know how people feel, but God never unconvicts a person is what I'm saying. If God convicted you that Jesus Christ died for you, God will never change your mind about that. But you can get so far out in sin that you'll believe it. And you got to go to the scriptures to find out which is right. God tells us, you know, in, in John chapter 3, we've, that's what a beautiful chapter, but 
here in John chapter 3, beginning with verse 15, and let's read the 15, 16, 17, or 18. John 3, 15, the Lord said, For whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not. What is the one sin that will cause you to go to hell? Not believing on Jesus. I mean, John 3, 18 makes that clear. I've had people argue with me. Now, my grandpa died and he he was sent to hell because he was an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic because he didn't believe in Jesus. There are, there are consequences when you don't believe on Jesus. There's consequences in your life when you don't follow him. And he said very clearly, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Already what? Before he does anything else. Well, he was a drunk. That was the evidence that he was lost. Then you get into the, that he was made a profession of faith, said he was saved, and he never lived for it. God will either take you out or he will let the sin take you out. See, a lost person can get away with sin a lot longer than a saved person can. Think about that. Christ has died for that saved person. That lost person is out there on his own. If he's saved, he can sin. But if he's truly saved, God is going to deal with him. God is going to bring conviction on him. Or God's going to take him home. It's, a, it's the same thing that mom used to do at the little Presbyterian church. She said, Jerry, you and Sue sit up there with your friends as long as you behave yourself. And when they started not behaving themselves, she didn't get up and make a scene. She just looked at them. And when you're doing something wrong with my mom, you knew that mom was looking at you. Just out of habit, you'll turn around. If you hadn't turned around, you wouldn't have seen that little finger doing this. If you weren't saved, it wouldn't bother you. God would, wouldn't make you feel bad in your sin. But if you're a child of God, God makes you feel bad. Oh, you'd harden it. Then the chastening gets worse. And the chastening gets, gets worse. It's not complicated, church. God is in control. It's just that simple. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name that whosoever believe in him shall receive the remission of sin. That's Acts 10.43 and 1 John 5.10. Both of those scriptures teach the same truth. 
saved by his works, not ours. Oh, I believe you're saved by works, but it's not our works. It is the works that Jesus Christ did, not the works that we do. Titus 3.3 know, talks about, but after that the kindness of the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works, not by works which we have done. See, the works didn't save us. The works is evidence that we are saved. See, that's, that's where a lot of people get mixed up in marriage. You're not good to your spouse to get your spouse to love you. You're good to your spouse because you do love them. And you don't do something, you know. I mean, it's really not that complicated. But God tells us, you know, and just read Titus 3.3. After the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward me and Appeared in verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing, regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost which he said upon us. And then you read Titus 2, 3 through 6 and 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. I mean, it's just, just scripture after scripture that teaches us. You can know you're saved by how you live. And it's not contradictory, but you also got to realize just living, just living good don't save you. Living good is the evidence that you're saved. And we've got to understand that. We've got to get that in our heart and, and mind. You know, Second Timothy chapter 1, as I, let's, let's go, we'll read this one. We briefly and hurriedly gave that to you. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I mean, what's that all saying? You know, I, I feel like some preachers, some Sunday school teachers, some whatever that's in, in the church think, you know, and I've had them to tell me, you know, I'll just leave and then what's going to happen? Well, I, Remember, it feels that way. Yeah, we're going to see something really good happen. God doesn't need me. If I get in my head that, that you know, he needs me, no. I, I, and the ability that I have, he can give it to somebody that you wouldn't even think. I mean, it's just, it's just simple. I mean, it's... It's really not hard at all when we get off of this our own little kick that, you know, that I'm the reason. When you're Titus chapter 2, you know, verse 3, when he said, the aged women, Titus chapter 2, 
Verse 3, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as come of holiness, not falsely accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You know, even though anything is so bad, you can learn something. You know, wine is always what wine is. It's generic. If it's when I make grape juice, and I let the grape juice set, it becomes wine. Ferment. The fermentation is what causes it. So, you know, we, if you're one of those who say, well, you know, Jesus Christ never drank wine, real wine. Yes, he did. Once. And that was when he was teaching them that he was the one. And we're going to teach on that later too but here Titus said in verse 3 the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as become of holiness not false accusers nor given to us wine teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet chaste keepers at home good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. See, now, some men will read that, you know, and say, see, it says right there, that woman's supposed to do what I told her. Keep it in context. Keep it with, you can't take a scripture or two scriptures and, and teach doctrine. Remember, how many times have I said it? This book, when we got it, wasn't chapters and verses or books. It was one book. And there are no contradictions in the book. Father, we thank you.